Oh, good morning, good morning. Weren't the kids absolutely fabulous? So how do you, uh, Nick said to me, how are you going to follow that? I'm not going to even try. Oh, if you haven't noticed, it's Christmas. It's Christmas. Um, almost Christmas. And it's great to see so many fabulous Christmas jumpers. Lawrence, I am impressed it's, with your turquoise. Is that a new one? Last year, okay. You're looking good. And some of the, the guys and girls on the stage, Reese and, um, and uh, Louise, with, with her bobbles. <laughs> I love it. Every time she moves, they bob wobble. Okay, let me start my timer. Chris Vaz is away, so we can do what we like this morning. <laughs> um, oh, gosh, you might be listening. Yeah, do you remember um, that the Glenn and Louise, sorry, a few years ago? I'm so disappointed you're not in your elf costumes today. Do you remember when they both turned up in the, those amazing elf costumes? And I had been a bit naughty. I had this picture of Lyra and Chris dressed up in those costumes, stepping off the plane in Mumbai and um, coming like that. I th they'd have been arrested or something, wouldn't they? We'd never see them again. You can't beat a good Christmas, can you? You can't. I love Christmas generally. I mean, not that I do much. It all falls to my beloved. Um, you can't beat a good Christmas. But as we've heard already from the kids this morning, the real meaning of Christmas can be lost in the fun and the busyness of it all, can't it? And I must confess, it's often been like that for me. You know, church on Christmas Day, the carol services and everything. You know, it's what you do at Christmas. And the real meaning and significance has often been lost for me. But recently, it's impacted me, the enormity and the significance of what Christmas means has really hit me at my late age in life. Terrible thing to say, isn't it? But it should have happened earlier. Just think about it. God appeared in human flesh. God appeared as a baby. God appeared as a man. He came to rescue us. He came to save us, as the kids have said. That is the meaning of Christmas. So just to set the scene, <coughs> I want to read from Matthew chapter 1, <coughs> verses 18 to 24. I'm not sure if Phil read this the other week, but let's read it. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Where would we be without the Holy Spirit? God's answer, well, you know, when we say how, God's answer is the Holy Spirit. Now, because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and didn't want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly, without a fuss. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, 
and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet Isaiah. Well-known verse, isn't it? We always hear it at Christmas, but it's true nonetheless. The virgin will be with child and they and will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. I chose that this year because I, I often feel a bit sorry for Joseph. You know, you hear about the Christmas story, you hear about the manger, Mary, the innkeeper and all this. And Joseph, has, to me, has always been very much a background figure. But in Matthew's gospel, he gets more of a mention. He gets my vote. You know, I think he was a pretty cool dude. And when I get up there, whenever that may be, I think I'd like to meet him and have a discussion with him. Because in the passage, we read this. It said, when Mary told her, it said, after Mary became pregnant, when she was found with child, he considered these things. And then it goes on to say, an angel of the Lord appeared to him. But I paused when I read, he considered these things. It doesn't tell you how long it was before the angel of the Lord came to him and said, fear not to take Mary as your wife. What was going through his mind? In those days, in those days, I think we heard of this the other week, the anguish, the turmoil, the mental anguish, what was going through his mind? To go back to his village with a girl who was pregnant in those days. And as we heard the other, other day, the penalty for adultery, even though they weren't married, they were as good as married, the penalty was stoning to death. Can you imagine the turmoil? What a guy he was, that he obeyed what God said, and he took Mary as his wife. Bec and an angel appeared to him and said, fear not. And in the next chapter, there was another angelic appearance to Joseph. He gets my vote this year. So just want to make three very quick points. God always had a plan. That's what Christmas tells me. God always had a plan, but there's more. You are included in it. Isn't that wonderful? God's plan, you know, it's so easy to see Christmas in isolation. You know, the Christmas story, the birth of Jesus, and all the trimmings. But he had a plan, and you were included in it. In, we read that verse, was it Isaiah 7, 14? Two sevens of 14, that's the way to remember it. The virgin will conceive, and she will give birth to a son, and he will be called Emmanuel. One of the most often quoted Christmas verses on our Christmas cards, isn't it? You hear it everywhere. God always had a plan, and you're included in it. Now, I don't know what it's like on Christmas Day in your house, but I was shocked, I was shocked a few years ago when Belinda, she doesn't know I'm going to say this, it only dawned on me last night, she had an A4 sheet of paper like this in the kitchen after church. Says Belinda, and I'm not kidding, it was planning of the Christmas meal. And it was down to 
every minute. It was like a royal wedding or a royal funeral, you know, when Charles and Camilla arrive at the Abbey at 12.11 precisely. She had everything planned, like 11.50, oh, 5.30, she would have got up and put the turkey in the oven. But everything was planned. And it wasn't just every five minutes. It was down to the, like, 11.16, etc. Um, et everything was planned. I was just gobsmacked. But Belinda had a plan because she wanted it to be the perfect Christmas in our house. I tell you, if she left me and I had to do Christmas, the kids would never, ever come again. But, you know, God always had a plan. We've, I've mentioned that verse there, which was um, from Isaiah, written 600 years before the birth of Christ. But there's a few more that I want to share to show that he always had a plan. And then I'll expand it a bit further. So bear with. Okay. Genesis 3.15. Third chapter of the book of Genesis, right at the start of the Bible. In Genesis 3.15, 6,000 years before it said, the seed or the offspring of the woman, as Jesus, will bruise the serpent's head. You know, in Genesis chapter 3, the fall of Adam and Eve, sin entered the human race. Sin entered, you know, the human condition was spoiled. But God was already saying, oh, I'm going to have the last laugh. The seed of the woman will bruise the serpent's head. And then we go to Micah 5 verse 2. 800 years before the birth of Jesus. Listen to what it says. It says, but you, O Bethlehem, where was Jesus born? Bethlehem. You, O Bethlehem, Epathra, are only a small village among all the people of Judah, yet a ruler of Israel, whose origins are in the distant past, will come from you on my behalf. The birth of Jesus Christ, the location, was prophesied. It was foretold all those years before. Genesis 12, verse 3, talking about Abraham, who was childless. A fantastic story. 6,000 years ago, he says, God says in Genesis 12, verse 3, all the people of the earth will be blessed through you, Abraham. Even though he had no kids, God said, your offspring will be as the stars in the sky. And from that lineage would come our Savior, Jesus Christ. Nearly there. Matthew 1, verse 1 says he'd come from the line of Abraham. And Hosea 11, 1, 800 years, he says, out of Egypt have I called my son. And we know if we read the next chapter of Matthew, Mary and Joseph had to flee to Egypt because the evil Herod was slaughtering all the kids under two years old. You know, the enemy wanted to destroy Jesus then. But it wasn't just, you know, going back 6,000 years to Genesis. Even in Psalm 22, verse 16, a thousand years before the crucifixion of Jesus was foretold, it's written, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? They shall look on him whom they have pierced long before the method of execution by crucifixion um, was invented. It was always in God's heart before the foundation of the world. He had a plan that he would send 
his son before the foundation of the world. And as I said earlier, <clears throat> it's so easy to read the Christmas story in isolation. But it was always part of his plan. It was always in his heart. Even before the foundation of the world, even before you were born, um, that he would come and rescue us from the sin that entered into the human race. God always had a plan. And you are included in it. You know, there are times when we all feel insignificant, yeah? Or is it just me? We all feel worthless. And um, I think, oh, Lord, what's the point, Lord? Why do I always mess up? But I just want to tell you today, God has got a plan and purpose for your life. Whatever has gone before, whatever might be pressing on you right now, he has a plan and a purpose for your life. And as we walk in fellowship with him, seek to walk in his ways, I believe he will fill it and work it out for each one of us. Galatians 4.4, when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law, to buy freedom for us who were slaves for sin. Hallelujah. So that he could adopt us as his very own sons. I'm sure they don't have time in heaven, you know. And, but I, I just if I can put it like this, can you imagine the night before Jesus was born, what was going on in heaven? Can you imagine the excitement that was going on up there? It's about to happen. This thing that had always been in God's mind, he was about to give birth to the Savior of the world. And God chose Joseph and Mary from a Galilean backwater. I just want to say God chooses the most unlikely candidates. I'm an unlikely candidate, and thank God, I think I'm looking at a room full of all unlikely candidates. If you're an unlikely candidate, you can rejoice that you are saved, you've been rescued, and that you are God, part of God's plan. You know, Mary and Joseph faced the drudgery of everyday life. Good word, drudgery, isn't it? Absolutely wonderful word. I mean, they had appearances from the angels, Mary, Joseph. They were key players in there, the Holy Spirit, um, Zechariah, Elizabeth. And John the Baptist. These things happened, but I reckon there must have been months, months and months and days, you know, because we can all go on about our great experiences and the highlights. But the next day, they faced perhaps silence. They were pondering these things. And, oh dear, sorry, I'm not really with it this morning. They faced the drudgery of every, everyday life, but God used them. He used them as part of his plan to bring salvation to the world. God can use you to touch people's lives, can't he? Because I believe his plan for our life, his one plan for, is that we learn to serve. When, you know, one of the greatest revelations that we can have is that we, when we realize that God has put us here, not for a big bless me up, not to serve myself, but that I can be a blessing to other people in my sphere of influence, whether it's in my job, whether it's in the church, well, in my home. Uh, he wants us to serve. You know, as we endeavor to walk in his ways, as we endeavor to stay close to him, 
as we stay in fellowship with one another, when we get back up, when we are knocked down, his plan for our life is being worked out. You know, we never see the big picture. I'll come on to that later. But you are part of God's plan. Christmas reminds me that he has a plan and purpose for my life. Christmas wasn't just an isolated experience. But this Christmas, I remember, I'm included in it. And the second thing I want to say is, it's really saying is God sees round the corners. <clears throat> it's another way of saying God sees the big picture. One of my many failings is that I often focus on the now <clears throat> and I can't see the big picture. Are you like that? When something happens, I want to get it sorted. And of course, there are some things that you can't sort out straight away. I want, I, you know, but God sees the big picture. So many of what I call, well, tragedies. Uh, well, yeah, I, when my mum and my father died when I was 26, 27, we were living in Manchester. We were very happy in Manchester. We had one child and three quarters of another was on the way. But um, my sister was, my mum had had a stroke on our honeymoon. <laughs> I won't go there. Um, Dad was looking after my mum here in Abergavenny, and I vowed I'd never come back to the place I was brought up. And, uh, but we moved down to look after my parents, and I didn't know how it was going to work out. Fabulous Belinda was with me all the way. She just went along with it, and she's not a Welsh person, and she doesn't understand some of the Welsh culture and the Welsh customs. I still have to explain it to her. But we gave up the job up there, moved to Manchester, didn't have a house or anything. Just obeyed what I felt God was saying. But God had a plan, and he worked it out. I could only see um, the next day, the next stage. But he worked it out, and he got us settled in Raglan, where we stayed for nearly 40 years. You know, Mary and Joseph didn't see the bigger picture. They were familiar with God and all the great events, but they didn't see the big picture. Can you imagine what they must have been going through their mind when it could have been six months or up to two years later, when Herod decided he was going to kill all the two-year-old kids because the wise men had come to him seeking him? Can you imagine what was going through their minds? Perhaps they were thinking, have we got it wrong? Well, you know, this is a tragedy. What's going to happen? They couldn't see what was going to, what was ahead, but God saw the big picture. And when the time was right, when Herod was dead, he brought them back to his land. What appears, is the point that I'm trying to make, what appears to be a disaster, like the health of my parents, for example, what appears to be a disaster is not always a disaster. Perhaps you're going through a situation right now, and it's tough, yeah? It's tough. It's unimaginable, perhaps. But I just want to say, God sees the bigger picture, okay? He can see around the corners that you can't see. And very often, I wish I could change it, <laughs> he uses these events, the tough times in our life, to shape us, 
to bring us closer to him so that we can serve him better. And finally, oh dear, what was my first point? I can't even remember. Let me look back. God always had a plan, and you're included in it. Woo! God, thank you for including me, Lord. God sees round the corners. I can trust him. Still got a long way to go in. Yeah, and the third point is that you can trust him. A few weeks ago, I got seven, we, sorry, not I, we have got seven grandchildren. One is 18 this next week, and then they range down to two. And the three-year-old, two-year-old was staying with us um, about a, yeah, a few weeks ago. And we were sitting around the dining room table, and Alice is three, and uh, they'd flown to the south of France to a tent or a caravan for the holiday. So I thought I'd wind her up, you know. I like winding people up. And, uh, and I said to Alice, so where did you go on your holiday? We went to France. And I said, I said, oh, how did you get there? Did you go on the train? Did Daddy drive you? No, we went on an airplane, she said. And I, you know, and then you have this banter, oh, no, you didn't. Oh, yes, we did. Oh, no, you didn't. Oh, yes, we did. And, you know, you just wind her all up. And then I thought I'd introduce a bit of science into it. You know, a bit of aeronautical engineer near him, yeah? And ask, well, you know, try, it's only three, just plant the seeds of, you know, lift and air pressure and stuff. So I, I thought I was being dead smart. And I said, Alice, yes, Tadki, that's one of the Welsh words for granda, grandpa. Yes, Tadki, why do planes fly? And do you know what she said? Because they've got wings, Tadki! Because <laughs> they've got wings! And I shall never forget that. Look, I've got wings, fly! You know, and I thought, what a wonderful thing to say. There was me getting caught up on the air pressure under the wing and the lift and all this stuff. And because they got wings, what wonderful childlike trust. Isn't it wonderful? Proverbs 3, verse 5 to 6 says this. Another well-known verse. <coughs> trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. You know, I'm one of the older persons here in the church, okay? I've had, I'm three score and ten plus one. Some of you probably don't even know what a score is. Okay. Um, but if I had to write my epitaph or something, you know, or my final message, what, what would you want to say to people? I'd say one of the greatest lessons I've learned, and I've still got a long way to go, tell me about it, is trust in the Lord. Everything that happens in our life, the ups and the downs, think are there to teach us to trust in the Lord, yeah? 
did somebody say last night, where was it? Was it on Strictly or somewhere like that? Um, once you reach the top of one mountain, don't forget, that's probably the bottom of the next mountain. Where did I hear that? On what? Hamza. Hamza, yeah, I thought that was amazing. You know, once you reach the top of one mountain, just remember, it's going to be the bottom of the next. We never make it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and acknowledge him. Sometimes, I think God's plans for our life perhaps go wrong and we go adrift because I'll, I'll, perhaps I'll tell you in a minute, we get it wrong. Um, but when we acknowledge him, you know, when we seek to put him first, even when we get it wrong, when we get up again, he will make our path straight. Hallelujah. As we seek to put him first, have teachable hearts, and learn from our mistakes, we can trust him, and he will work it out. And I reckon if God loved me enough to send his son to the earth to die in my place on the cross, don't you think he cares enough to help me when I'm down in the valley, when all the pressures of life um, are going wrong? And you know, you can, one thing I've also learned, you can trust him when you've got it wrong. How am I doing for time? Oh, for not long. Okay. I don't know how many years it was ago. We moved down from Manchester, which got me into teaching, which is another story, which was amazing. But after my mum died, and we had no, mom, no reason to be in Abergavenny anymore, I decided that I'd get a new job, and I applied for a job in a school for the hearing impaired in Newbury, in Berkshire, and a uh, house was on the market in Raglan, etc., etc. And I know Belinda doesn't agree with me, or didn't ever really agree with this, but I got it wrong. I got it wrong. I was trying to escape, I think. Okay, I was fed up with the school, and all sorts of things. And I saw this job, which looked amazing. Wonderful country house in the Berkshire countryside. And we were going to move to England. But the house on the market, we viewed houses in Berkshire, royal county of Berkshire. And uh, but I got it wrong, because after a month or two, I knew it wasn't me. It wasn't me. And uh, I'd been up to the University of Birmingham to do a, a special course for, for uh, deaf training, etc., etc. So I resigned the job without a job to come back to around here. Three kids at home. Uh, I don't know if Belinda was working a day a week then or not, but God worked it out even when I got it wrong. So if if you've made any mistakes, perhaps you identify with that. Let me assure you, God can work it out for you as you, as we, as you acknowledge him in all your way. So I'm going to round up now, guys. So as the band would like to come up, as we leave one year behind, and we're going into 2023. I can't believe it. Um, three things to remember 
perhaps, I hope it will encourage you over the Christmas period. You are part of God's plan. You are significant. Don't let your mind or the enemy tell you you are not significant. You matter. You count to God. You are precious. And he is devoted to you. That's how much he loves you. Christmas reminds me that he sent his son to die for me. And I am part of his plan. He's got your back covered. He sees the big picture. And you can trust him. And as we leave 2022 and go into 2023, <coughs> just one thing. <coughs> I got this sort of picture last week. So I'm just going to share it at the end here. I don't know if it'll apply to anyone or not. If it doesn't, I got it wrong. It's not my problem, is it? <laughs> but I just had this picture of, I don't know if it was a man, possibly, with long, straggly, matted hair. Unkempt, is that the right word? Unkempt. And it was as if, uh, I think God was trying to say, there is something clinging. Clinging is the word. I don't know if it applies to anyone here, but somebody perhaps has got something clinging to them from the past that they can't let go of. And I, after what I've shared now, I think the Lord would just want to say to you, take it off. It's like a wig. You don't need to let this clingy thing, that long matty hair of stuff, whether it's of guilt or shame, don't let it um, cling to you anymore. Cast it off because he has got a way for you and you can walk on it um, freely. Remove the obstacle. Take off that perhaps wig or shame that's been clinging to you so that you can be free uh, this Christmas to, for 2023. As I read in that verse in Galatians, he sent his son at the right time that we might be free. Hallelujah. Shall we just stand and praise him? So, Father, I thank you for the joy of Christmas. Father, I thank you that you sent your son to be the savior of the world. I thank you that I am significant. I thank you that I have a purpose. I thank you that you can use me, warts and all, to serve you. I thank you that there's a bigger picture, that it's not about me. So we just rejoice in you, Lord. We rejoice in the freedom that you purchased for us. Oh, why does it do that? Sorry. Thank you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Hayden.